Hey there, ladies and gentlemen, and thanks for joining us on The Great Exchange, a podcast dedicated to looking at the world through gospel glasses. My name is Matthew Halleck, and uh, on the other side of the computer from me, Nick Semenowicz. How you doing, dude? I'm doing very well for this time that we are recording today. Yeah, yeah, it's good, man. I'm I'm feeling sore and tired from hockey. It beat me up pretty good. Um, and having to wear a mask while you play hockey is ludicrous. Really? Uh, yeah, which is like... How do you even... breathe? How do you breathe? Oh, uh, well, I just basically like put it down under my chin like the whole time. <laughs> I was like, uh, I'll just... Yeah, um, yeah, because I can hardly breathe as it is because I'm a fat old man who hasn't worked out and played hockey enough. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, it was it was pretty rough, but it was fun. We had a we had a good time, and yeah, it's uh, it's crazy that they they want you to wear a mask when even the CDC and the um, WHO, who have been totally pro mask, far more pro mask than I think is warranted by the 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 efficacy of them uh they've they're so pro mask but yet they don't recommend you wear a mask during strenuous physical a- exercise um so it's weird that yeah, lack of lack of oxygen to your brain is never yeah, a good thing yeah it's just weird that um given that the fact that that's that's the case why they would um be mandating masks during strenuous activities like exercise and and hockey and stuff like that uh you know it it doesn't make any sense i think it more and more it's obvious that uh the mask is just a badge of servility and um uh it'll be interesting to see what what all happens here um with uh with masks moving forward, I have a, I have a sneaky suspicion that people's brains are broken and they'll wear masks long after they're vaccinated, long after the threat of COVID has, has come and gone because the government will just say you have to. So, you know, of course people will just obey that arbitrary, um, and capricious command. But anyways, we are here not to talk about that today. Uh, we are here to talk about scripture. And before we get into our continued look at the book of Genesis, Nick, can you let the people know what they can win for the month of May 2021? That is a great thing that I wish I could do at the moment because it's a mystery. For the month of May. Oh. We don't want to let you know what it is because we want you to be more interested. It's like that whole what's in the box thing from The Simpsons. You can win a lovely washer and dryer set with a, where the lovely Mr. Smithers is standing, or you can trade it all in for what's in this box. And we've done this before on the podcast, and it's worked out quite well for <laughs> creating some interest. Mm-hmm. So we want to do the same thing once again for the month of May. So it's Mystery Month May May, yeah. the mystery month. Yeah. What Whichever the order you want to put it in. Yes. Yeah. So if you want to enter to win our mystery giveaway for the month of May, all you have to do, as per usual, is head over to our Instagram or Facebook accounts and find our May giveaway post, which is going to be coming out this coming Friday. So it's not quite there yet. But when it does come out, you can like that post and then comment on it with the word Mysterion. 
Oh, right. There right? you go. There oh. you go. Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> you so, feel very good about that one. <laughs> I, I, <laughs> uh, well, it's going to be mystery. I'm like, well, let's make it a little bit more biblical oh, if we yeah, can. Mysterio. There you go. Yeah. Okay. So, so comment with that, and that'll get you a single entry into a win. And do that as often as you'd like. Share it with your friends. Share it with your enemies. Share it with the government. Maybe they'll be interested in something biblical and truthful. <laughs> and, you won't uh, have to share that, it with the government. They already know. They already know, and they'll be removing all posts that say that in the near future. <laughs> Coming to an internet subscription near you. Yeah. But wow. uh, yes, that's that's our mystery giveaway for the month of May. So be sure to do that. And as always, if you're looking to get in touch with us, you can do that either on Instagram or Facebook. You can direct message us there. Or if you want to go a little bit more old-fashioned, you can send us an email, thegreatexchangepodcast at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you, hear what your thoughts are during all the craziness that has been the last 15 months mm -hmm. and uh, see how you're doing spiritually. See if we can pray for you, encourage you, whatever it might be as well. Yeah, that'd be wonderful. Hey, uh, fill us in a little bit about, I know you and Cal have continued to kind of press out and go, go out and have some conversations with people on the street. Hopefully uh, sooner rather than later, we'll be able to give that content to our listeners, but maybe you could give us uh, some dispatches from the front to let us know how that's been going and uh, give us some encouragement on that end. Yeah. So Cal, one of the founding members and founding hosts of the Great Change podcast, uh, him and I have been going out onto the streets of the Forks in Winnipeg, and uh, we've been talking to some people, trying to start conversations with people, trying to find out where they are spiritually and ultimately share the gospel with them. This past week, we headed out on Tuesday evening instead of the Wednesday because it was very nice weather outside, and uh, we were able to interact with a couple people. Um, there was a really good, good conversation Cal had with a couple trying to just expose the need for God or the, the need for there to be a God for the existence of any sort of morality. So without God, you can't have a standard for morality. And it was a really good eye-opening situation and the conversation for that couple. And they finally understood, or they understood by the end of the conversation, hey, if there's going to be any sort of right and wrong, there has to be a God because you can't just have an arbitrary standard. There has to be a subjective standard that or an objective standard that you hold yourself to that will lead you to understand what is right and what is wrong. After that, we had a wonderful conversation with a, uh, a Muslim fellow uh, who, if you want to know when to talk to Muslims, it's during Ramadan because they are supposed to be as nice and kind and loving to their neighbors as possible. So that's the opportune time to speak with them about the gospel because they're more than willing to listen they're, they're thinking about spiritual things as it is, and it's a great window of opportunity to get in and start talking to them about, well, what do you do with your guilt? Because I know for a lot of Muslims, and basically for the Islamic religion, they have no way of accounting for their guilt. So it's a great way to show that they have a guilt, a guilty verdict over them. They have a debt incurred with God that cannot be paid by their own good works. But there is one who came to pay the debt of sin that's been incurred against them 2,000 years ago. So two great conversations this past week. We hope we can share that with you guys all soon. As well, we've gone out a few other times and we had some other great conversations as well. So as we continue to amass all these things, you know, 
we're hoping to get them out to you. They're going to be long conversations, just as a little forewarning. We we don't spend like five minutes talking to somebody. We've actually have spent about 20 to 30 minutes talking with each person, just trying to see where they're at, trying to explain clearly, carefully what the gospel is so that they can walk away and say, okay, I understand what it is, and now I can make a decision based off of what I've heard. Mm-hmm. And then I can research it more as well if I'm not quite convinced yet. So it... It's very different than what I used to do when I first went on the streets, you know, seven or eight years ago, uh, which was just get out there, you give them the law, give them the gospel, walk away, go to the next person. This is much more intentional, trying to expose what they're truly thinking and where their heart's at while also wanting and desiring to share the gospel with them. Yeah. Have you have you tended to notice any patterns um, so far or anything kind of stick out to you in, in the conversations you've had? Or is one of the things that stick out to you just the, the fact that people are totally and utterly biblically illiterate and all over the map when it comes to the spiritual beliefs and everything? You know, surprisingly, I mean... It's obvious people have no idea about biblical truth. There, there's been some people that have been exposed to a little bit of it. Um, but for the most part, the majority of people believe in karma. You know, you do good, good comes back to you. You do bad, bad's going to come back to you. And that's kind of how everybody is basing their life, or at least that's what they will say anyways. Uh, upon ex- you know talking to some, or some people anyways, they say that, you know, well, I know I'm bad, but, you know, Maybe God will judge me one day based off of, you know, grading me on a curve sort of thing. But the big thing about those conversations, once again, is that these people are in darkness. They're they're not exposed to the light and they need the gospel truth to waken them up from their slumber, from their sleep, which will lead them eventually to hell. So we're trying to do that faithfully each week. We want to be able to do that long into the future as well. This isn't just going to be an overnight sort of deal, you know, flash in the pan. We want this to be a faithful thing where we can encourage everybody else to get out and talk to those people whom you might not know and those people who you do know to share the gospel. Because, you know, something that we need to know is that everybody's going to spend eternity somewhere. Mm -hmm. It's going to be one of two places. And we want people to be spending eternity in the presence of a loving, kind, gracious, yet just God, Mm -hmm. rather than just on the end of his justice yes yeah no exactly under his wrath for all eternity yeah i mean it's it's so so very important um in our calvin study that we were going through uh this past week we did talk about that we talked about the resurrection um and the life eternal um and then also its counterpart um that uh that we talked about both of those destinations and how one is so wonderful and so beautiful and so um, it's far beyond what we could ever imagine. And the other is far beyond what we could imagine, but in the opposite direction. Um, so yeah, yeah. there's, there's an urgency that that type of work. So I appreciate the fact that you're both doing that and, uh, I'm glad you could share a little bit, uh, with us, but we should jump into our text. We're, we're here in Genesis 22, 15. Um, we're hopefully Lord willing going to be able to get through Genesis 22 uh and then go press through genesis 23 as well um nick maybe just kind of give us a little bit of a a bearing on how we got to where we are in the text um 
today and then we will get right into it. So in last week's podcast and looking a little bit further back, we saw God fulfilling his promise to Abraham in that him and Sarah would bear a son. We see that happening when in their old age. Um, yet soon after that, we saw that there was a little bit of tension between Hagar and Sarah and then Ishmael and Isaac as well. So the slave woman and her son were cast out of the presence of God's family. And then from there, we saw God instructing Abraham to go and kill his son as a, a burnt offering. And when we looked at last week's text, we saw Abraham being obedient to that call of God. And as it were, after three days, Abraham received his son back as though from the dead, almost like a resurrection that would have happened there, where God spared Isaac from that offering that he was to be partaking of, and a goat was, or ram, which was caught in the thicket, was placed in his stead, and he was, or that ram was placed in his stead to be the sacrifice and that burnt offering Mm -hmm. for that one little bit of purpose right there, that one moment in time. But at the end of that, we see that there's more that is to happen once that obedience has taken place. It's not just, okay, you didn't do it. I provided a, a substitute for you. Okay, carry on. Just go on your way. We see here now moving into the end of chapter 22 that God reiterates those wonderful promises that he's been giving to Abraham for years now, just again, conf- reconfirming the truths that he wants him to hold on. Absolutely. And that's exactly where we pick up in Genesis the chapter 22 and the verse 15. And the angel of the Lord called to Abraham a second time from heaven and said, By myself I have sworn, declares the Lord, because you have done this and have not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you and I will surely multiply your offspring as the stars of heaven and as the sands that and as the sand that is in the seashore. And your offspring shall possess the gate of his enemies, and in in your offspring shall all the nations of the earth be blessed, because you have obeyed my voice. So Abraham returned to his young men, and they arose and went together to Beersheba. And Abraham lived at Beersheba. Now, after these things, it was told to Abraham, Behold, Milcah also has borne children to your brother Nahor, Uz, his firstborn, Booz, his brother, Kemuel, the father of Aram, Hesed, Hezo, Pildesh, Jidlaf, and Bethuel, Bethuel, who fathered Rebekah. These eight Milcah bore to Nahor, Abraham's brother. Moreover, his concubine, whose name was Remua, bore Teba, Gaham, Tehash, and Mecca. That, that <laughs> Nicely last done on the Mahaka, names. Mahaka, I think. Maaka. Maaka, Maaka, sorry. Maaka. We're, we're probably still pronouncing it wrong, though. Yeah, so. probably, probably. Those are some tough names. Nevertheless, yeah. here we are, Nick, uh, 15 through the end of the chapter. What do we see here? So we see here that after Abraham takes place in this sacrifice here of the ram caught in the thicket, 
Again, God calls to Abraham through this angel, through this messenger, calls to him a second time from heaven, and again reiterates those wonderful promises that he's been given already. He says, by myself I have sworn, declares the Lord, because you have done this and have not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you. And I love how this is once again stated for us because we see within verse 16 here, God swears by himself. This is God singularly making this promise known to Abraham. And he says, you have done this because Abraham has continued in his obedience. We know that he is justified before God. He is the friend of God. And now he's living a life in obedience, not perfectly, but the direction is there. And we can see that even at this point in time, where he's still pointing in the direction of obedience, even when it's very costly, as he says here, because you've done this and have not withheld your son, your only son. And that's the third time in this chapter that that phrase has been used, both in verse 2, 12, and now here in verse 16. So we see that God is really putting emphasis on Isaac being Abraham's true only son. Yes. Because he is the son of promise, not of the works of the flesh. Yes, and we, and we talked about that being such an important distinction when we talked about Ishmael and um and his mother, forgetting this, her name. Of the Hagar. Top, Hagar. Hagar and Ishmael being disinherited from from that covenant community, from those promise uh, promises of God, and. I love, too, just how God reiterates the surety of these promises again to Abraham, right? He says, by myself I have sworn, declares the Lord. And I love that we have an entire piece in Scripture that kind of explicates this promise better than we could ever right because this is holy spirit inspired holy spirit led um and what i'm talking about is hebrews 6 13 through 18 and it's an entire section on the certainty of god's promise and here the right of the hebrews We've gone through an entire series on the book of Hebrews. You can check it out at thegreatexchange.ca. Is a recounting the the surety of the promise of God, and he points to to the promise given to Abraham, both in uh, in chapter fifteen and here again in chapter twenty two. And this is what the writer of the Hebrews says. <coughs> oh, sorry, choking on my own spit. For when God made a promise to Abraham, since he had no one greater by whom to swear, he swore by himself, saying, Surely I will bless you and multiply you. And thus Abraham, having patiently waited, obtained the promise. For people swear by something greater than themselves. And in all their disputes, an oath is final for confirmation. So when God desired to show more convincingly to the heirs of the promise, the unchangeable character of his purpose, he guaranteed it with an oath, so that by two unchangeable things in which it is 
impossible for God to lie, we who have fled for refuge might have strong encouragement to hold fast to the hope that is set before us. We have this as a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul, a hope that enters in to the inner place behind the curtain where Jesus has gone as a forerunner on our behalf, having become a high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. It's beautiful how the writer of the Hebrews weaves this promise that is so important into the text that's being explicated in Hebrews, which is Psalm 110.1, right? So we see how all of Scripture fits together. But the beauty of this is just that in God giving this promise and reiterating this promise, he does so again by couching it in the framework of the fact that he is the surety, that he will deliver, that he is the one who promised to bring this to pass, that he, as he did when he cut the covenant with Abraham, swore on his self that he would bring it to pass. He took the initiative. He's going to see this through. And because he cannot lie, as the book of Hebrews says, his promise is sure. We have a steadfast anchor a hope that enters into the inner place because God has sworn by himself and if he were to lie the entire cosmos the entire creation everything would become undone so this is the beauty beautiful surety that he reiterates to Abraham after Abraham's great faithfulness to him and the beauty is we see that when when he uses the language of you delivered you you did not withhold from me your son your only son we know as we men- mentioned last week that his son Isaac was spared right that God gave a propitiatory sacrifice that ram caught in a thicket on his behalf but 2000 years later on the same mount of Moriah God would not withhold his only son, his begotten son, the one from the Father, both God and man, the Lord Jesus Christ. So I love how the promise here that we see God give to Abraham is a reiteration of what he's already given to him prior to him being faithful in this way yet afterwards he gives him this great reassurance of faith and again he brings to mind that these promises i have given to you and your offspring are sure to come to pass because i am the one who will do it question 66 what is the reason annexed to the fifth commandment Answer. The reason annexed to the fifth commandment is a promise of long life and prosperity as far as it shall serve for God's glory and their own good to all such as keep this commandment. Do you love listening to The Great Exchange? You can subscribe to our podcast on any one of these podcast platforms, Spotify, Stitcher, 
Google Podcasts, or Apple Podcasts and have two engaging episodes delivered to your mobile device each week. Our midweek message covers a myriad of topics and teaches us to look at them all through gospel glasses. And our Scripture Saturday episode is just that, an opportunity to study the Bible one passage of Scripture at a time. Miss an episode? Visit our website, thegreatexchange.ca, and you will find the complete back catalog of our episodes. And don't be shy. We love to hear from you, our listeners. Send us a message on Facebook or Instagram, or if you're not social media savvy, send us an email to thegreatexchangepodcast at gmail.com. Thank you all for joining in our ministry as we help you look at the world through gospel glasses. Exactly. Yeah, that's a huge thing that we need to remember. And it's hugely important for our own day as well. The promise that God makes here to Abraham is sure to pass because it's grounded in his character and nature, which it's impossible for God to lie. God will never lie. So we see that he is just in his character. And even in this instance where Abraham may have had a little confusion over the character of God, saying, well, why does he want me to kill my innocent son? I'm not sure of this, but I will do it because I'm obedient to God. God here now reminds him, I have not changed. My character has not changed one slight sliver in this aspect of your life now. You can continue to trust in me because the promises that I make will come to pass, even though in your present situation and just before this, they seemed like maybe they're not going to come to pass. Maybe God was pulling my leg. But no, here he has now spared his son. The promises will come to pass. And he says that in verse 17, I will surely bless you and I will surely multiply your offspring as the stars of heaven and as the sand that is on the seashore. And your offspring shall possess the gate of his enemies and in your offspring shall all the nations of the earth be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. So we see that there's still that singular point where all this is going to come from. It's God himself. This isn't God is going to come with 53% of the promise and then Abraham has to come with 47 to make it happen. This is God saying, I'm doing this all and you just have to trust me. Even as he trusted him in this difficult situation where he told him to take his son and sacrifice him. He was still to remain obedient, and he was. And God says, because you've continued in your obedience, you've been, pers- uh, you've persevered in your obedience, I will continue to hold my promises towards you. And that's something we need to remember for our own day, because we're given the promises of God that we will have our sins forgiven, we'll be justified in his sight, or we are justified in his sight. He will bring us to himself and we'll have an eternity with him to enjoy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We just have to. He says, you need to continue in repentance and faith. You need to continue to turn away from sin and continue to trust in me. But if you reject God and start going your own way, how can you still hold on to the promises? Can you say, well, once saved, always saved? Well, no, you can't say that. You can't say, well, I got a get-out-of-jail-free card when I was, you know, 20 years old, and I signed my Bible, and I'm good to go now. It doesn't matter how I live. It doesn't matter if I obey God or not now. He'll keep his promises no matter what. 
Well, that's to not understand the gospel rightly. The gospel says he will save you to persevere to the end, like that golden chain of redemption found in Romans 8, right? Those whom he called, he justified. Those whom he justified, he glorified. So there's a continuing aspect of bringing one from one level of glory to another, because God is going to, when he saves us, continually conform us into the image of his Son. And that's not going to be in a perpetual state of rebellion to him. And we can see in the life of Abraham, though he did sin at times, he was, his life was Godward directed. And we see that God recognizes this as well. He knows the direction of Abraham in the way that he wants to go. And the way he wants to go is how he acts as well. And that's what we need to do in our own lives. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're talking about that golden chain of redemption. I think that fits perfectly within what we see here, right? We see that God gave his son up. He did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not also with him graciously give us all things? That's Romans 8.32, just after the golden chain of redemption. So this this is Paul basically saying, in light of what he's done, in light of this reality— because he did not spare his only son from us, how could he not graciously give us all things that he's promised to us? He's really linking that to what we see here in the text. And also, we know in the most famous Bible verse in all of Scripture, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. The descendants, the offspring of Abraham, as we've made mention over and over and over and over again, are not physical genealogical descendants. They are descendants through faith, a faith that justifies by believing on the promises of God. And that is the beauty of this promise to a promise of a great multitude being in Abraham coming through that godly line of Abraham that the entire earth should be blessed not just the Jew but also the Gentile in Abraham that there's uh, the scope of the Abrahamic blessing is not just limited to his gene pool it is an entire universal scope so that we know that in Christ who is Abraham's true heir, uh, the true heir of promise, Abraham's true son of promise that all nations are blessed in him. And I love too, that we see here a honing in on that promised seed of redemption that we found in Genesis 315 right it's in talking about the multitude of of the people who will be in abraham attached to that promise of god that godly line it says and your offspring not offsprings your offspring shall possess the gate of his enemies and in your offspring shall all the nations of the earth be blessed because you have obeyed my voice and again what do we see here that one offspring that seed of the woman coming from eve is continuing through the line of abraham and again we see that all those who abide 
in this godly line through faith are blessed by the sure promises of God, and that is ultimately fulfilled in the Son, the only begotten Son of the Father, the Lord Jesus Christ. And all those who are justified will give fruit of that true justification through obedience to the Word of God, a faith that doesn't justify us, but it certainly proves the true fruit of a true righteousness received by faith. And we know that that is the case with Abraham, that he was accounted righteous. He was given these promises, and now his actions on Mount Moriah are true, um, a true sign of the true faith that he possesses. And that's, if we understand how that works, if we understand what's being done there, we'll understand what Paul is saying when he's talking about Abraham and those of his lineage being justified by faith. And then we'll understand what James is saying when James is saying, but this faith was evidenced by the true belief and the works of one who is faithful to the God in whom he trusts. Absolutely. And I think that's a really important part that we make mention here is that those who are Christ continue in belief, right? You quoted John chapter three. It's uh, whoever believes in him will not perish, but ever have everlasting life. Well, that belief isn't just a momentary Belief. It's not just here for a second and gone the next. It's not a tip it's of the a hat. Continued belief because you and it does sense because faith is, as Luther said, it's a living, busy, active, mighty thing. Right? I have a whole article that I wish I could read here, quoting from his commentary on Romans. But it's important that we recognize that faith always will manifest itself manifest itself in works. Faith produces fruit. Being justified and united to Christ produces that which is consistent with his character. And we know that because Paul tells us that. He says the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, gentleness, kindness, and self-control. We see that true because those who are connected to Christ the true vine will start to bear the fruit that is consistent with true union with him. We see the same thing happening here. If you don't see the fruit of God being born in your life, you have to see what might be possibly choking it out because there's always going to be weeds that start to choke out a good life-giving tree so that it can produce good fruit. And there's a good chance that there's a lot of weeds in our own lives if we are not being obedient to God. There are things that crop up in our lives that we need to not just cut off at ground level. We need to get to the root of them, expose them for what they are, which is sin, and then root them out, yank them out. Like John Owen said, be killing sin or sin will be killing you. Unless you're prepared to rip up those weeds, you're not going to be able to bear a bountiful crop. So we need to be aware of that in our own lives, be consistent in our testimony, and pray that God would help us to be that fruitful witness of him to the nations. Because that's what Abraham is here. Even when things are difficult, he remains obedient, 
and God continues to press into him those wonderful promises that in his offspring the nations will be blessed. Not only that, but as you made mention here in verse 17, your offspring shall possess the gates of his enemies. There's nothing in all of creation that will be able to gain victory over God and his people. This is a wonderful promise that we can hold on to. The gates of hell will not prevail against Christ. And how do we act in our own day? We act as though that's impossible. But that is not the way we should be acting. We should be looking at these promises that God has made and say, the gates of hell will not prevail. Okay, now we can go in faith boldly into the world, being good Christian witnesses, and bearing witness to the watching world that we serve a God who reigns over all. Absolutely. No matter what the circumcision circumstance is. The circumcision. <laughs> the circumstances. Yeah, yeah. no, totally. Um, yeah. yeah, and that kind of brings us to what then acts as sort of the end of the account of Terah. And we see that as it kind of winds down, we see that Abraham and Isaac go back to his men, and then we see that they return, uh, they go to Beersheba, and that they live... Uh, the rest of their days in the land of the Negev in Beersheba. And then we see a genealogy that shows more descendants who are part of Abraham's household, who are part of the lineage of Terah, who is Abraham's father. And that is kind of the, the genealogy that acts as kind of the book end to the account of Terah. And then, what we see from here on out is what we see in chapter uh, just before the end of chapter uh, 22 here, we see that Rebecca is named for the first time in Bethuel, who Rebecca then becomes the bride of Isaac. Um, So we see that she's introduced and then we see that it transitions into a few different stories that will then end the account of Abraham, the longest biography outside of Jesus Christ, our Lord in the scriptures. So what we see here um, is, is kind of that end of the count of Terah. Um, And then what we see in, in chapter 23 is we see a sad, but heartwarming, story of the death and burial of Sarah, Abraham's beloved wife. It says, Sarah lived 127 years. These were the years of the life of Sarah. And Sarah died at Kiriath Arba, that is Hebron, in the land of Canaan. And Abraham went in to mourn for Sarah and to weep for her. And Abraham rose up from before his dead and said to the Hittites, I am a sojourner, a foreigner among you. Give me property among you for a burying place that I may bury my dead out of my sight. And what then follows here is this beautiful, uh, uh, this beautiful dialogue between the Hittites, um, a group that lives in the promised land and Abraham uh, and we see here that Abraham legally, through this interaction 
with the Hittites gains a small plot of land within the promised land. So while he has been a sojourner this entire time in the land of Canaan, the promised land that God has given after the death of his wife and just before his death, he finally gets a legal deed to a small plot of land in the land that God is giving him. Yeah, and that's something we need to look at here. I mean, briefly, we don't have a lot of time left on the podcast, but when you look at this here, we see that it's through greater loss that Abraham ends up receiving some more aspects of those promises being made to him from God. And we see that he does mourn for Sarah for days, right? But in verse 3, we see that he rose up from before his dead and said to the Hittites, I want to buy a piece of land to bury my wife. And that's important to recognize because we we are faced with a lot of sorrows in our life. There's a lot of things which give sorrow and will bring sorrow in our own lives. But if we stay in a constant state of sorrow, we'll never continue to be obedient to God. We, we will make that time of sorrow become the ruling principle in our lives. And that is not what we're supposed to do. Though we are supposed to grieve over the sorrow that sin brings into our lives, we are not to let that become the ruling thing. And we see this take place in the life of Abraham in that he rose up from before his deceased wife and he says, I need to find a place for her body to rest now and ultimately with the hope of resurrection glory. So we see here that Abraham is looking forward once again to that great promise of God that there will be a resurrection one day. He, he knew that was going to have to be the case when it came to Isaac, his son, when he was called to go and slay him. And now in the death of his wife, we see that he is going to hope for that resurrection as well. And, and it's interesting in how he approaches the purchase of this land. He says, I want to, or I need a piece of land. Give me a piece of land. And then they says, we'll, we'll give you a piece of land, right? Uh, but he says, I'm going to buy it. You can't give this to me. I'm going to buy it for the full price, right? And I think that's really important because when you look at how gifts can work with sinful men, it can be, I'll give you something. When, when you're fully capable of purchasing it, I'll give you something. And then they can say, actually, no, I want it back. Or without they can any use hesitation, or, without or, any reasoning. Or they can use that as or they can a way use it to, to manipulate you down the road. Here, right? We talked uh, uh, yeah. at length about how, how people enslave people tyrannically by becoming the benefactors uh, of a people. That 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 is yeah. the lot of our twenty first century life. Is that um, as much as we want to blame big pharma, big tech, big corporate uh, entities. Uh, a lot of the issues that we deal with in our society is the fact that us as citizens have been bought and paid for by the government largesse. We've been bought and the sad part about it and the perverse part about it is we've been bought and paid for by our own money. And that's how the government lords it over us. So I think that's an interesting thing to bring out here. Um, But I kind of jumped in on your point there. So finish up. No, I think that's a really good aspect to look at it as well because 
as soon as you're indebted to somebody, they can take that and make that a way to lord it over you. And they admit here in verse 6, you're a prince of God. They understand the blessing of God upon Abraham, and they want to benefit from it. That, that was the case when we saw before uh, when Abraham went back and he rescued Lot and the king there. He wanted to you know, take everything from Abraham because he saw how God had blessed him. Mm-hmm. And this is the same thing now. We want to take everything from you eventually, but we'll do it. We'll keep a smiley face on at the front. We'll give you the land. We'll make sure that you're happy you got this. But now, hey, we gave you that land, and now we want some piece of the pie too. Yeah. But Abraham sees through that. Yeah, he's very careful not to yoke himself to unbelievers. And I think that's a principle yeah. that we ought to obey as Christians. We shouldn't be taking government I, mon- yeah. money for for our schools, for our various institutions. We need to be wiser in that sense because he who controls the purse strings controls what happens with the money, controls the people of the purse, right? So we have to be faithful that God will provide for us, um, be honorable in, in paying our debts, in giving what is owed to us. And we must, through faithfulness and prayer, cry out to God for, for his providence and not rely on the gifts of men to deliver those for us. And I think, um, I think that's a, a principle that has been often neglected, and we must understand and return to it. Um, that we might faithfully live as God's covenant people, and we might not unevenly yoke ourselves to those who are not a part of God's covenant community. Um, it's a, it's yeah. I mean, it's a beautiful thing that people can obviously see how Abraham is a prince, a son of God, a covenant, a part of God's covenant community. Obviously, his life evinces that in such a degree you think forward to Joseph, um, that people see the blessings of God poured out upon him and they want a piece of that pie. But I think Abraham shows us as the father of the faithful, some really important principles that we can take from not being unevenly yoked to unbelievers that over and over again within Genesis, within Exodus, it's the people of God who plunder the pagans, not the other way around. And I know it's difficult to always live in those um, when you're when you're living in the world, um, but you're not of the world. It's difficult to navigate situations like that. But I think Abraham gives us a good lesson and a good um, understanding of that. And finally, I love that they use just weights and measures in in divvying out the amount that he's agreed to pay for. Um, And then. I also wanted to, you made mention, Nick, um, of the sorrow and the sadness that Abraham experienced with the death of his wife, but he didn't languish in that, but he he gave a good period of mourning, which is is right and good. We're not Stoics. He, He mourned for his beloved wife, but then he acted as one who trusted in the future expectation of the hopeful resurrection of his wife and the promises of God given to him. And I think that's a beautiful lesson to take away from this story that, um, as, as Martin Luther said, right, if, if you knew Christ was coming back 
tomorrow what would you do today i would plant a tree and it's living in the hope of the uh, the resurrection hope of jesus christ living in that victory that transforms our lives but i think we also should point out as you've made mention to it's interesting to see after this epic event on moriah abraham delivers up his son he's blessed by god for his obedience what do we see the next thing happen? It's the death of his wife. It's more suffering. It's more sorrow. It's not, and he lived happily ever after. End of the story. It's, mm-hmm. he experienced suffering. He experienced pain and loss. But in spite of that, he was faithful to his death and he was faithful to those who were put in his stead in his charge i think that is super super important super valuable for us to realize yeah that is a really good point to make as well because the life of a christian is full of suffering and we see that there was sorrow with the potential loss of his son turned to joy and turned to sorrow again with the loss of his wife and then even in the purchase of this land as well the price that's given for the land is astronomical. Like 400 shekels of silver is way more than that piece of land would have been worth in that day. Like there's other texts which compare it to, I can't remember exactly where it was, but it's like, I think it was talking about Jeremiah or something like that. He bought a field for like seven bucks or something like that. And this is like 400. It's like, there's no comparison. It's like they knew Abraham was blessed by God and they took full advantage of it. So, and that's going to take place in the life of a Christian. We know we're going to be obedient to God and we're going to lose. We're going to lose stuff. We're going to lose things that we've worked for. But our hope isn't in the material possessions which God blesses us with. Our hope is in God. And that's a huge thing that a lot of people forget. We put all of our stock in the gifts rather than the giver. And we need to stop doing that as Christians, as Abraham here does, and says, even if they take a thousand shekels of silver, I'm basing my life off the promises of God and what he's done. And that's how we live our lives. And that's something we need to be mindful of in this day, as you said. And, and as, as I heard Doug Wilson say, he that takes the king's coin becomes the king's man. Yeah, That's the principle that Abraham is looking to avoid here because he doesn't want to be indentured to anybody but his king, the king of kings and lord of lords. And that's whom he's in service to, not to those lesser magistrates who could manipulate him and take advantage of him. It's to the king of kings and lord of lords who has his best interests in mind, which is not to plant his flag here and now, even though he now has a small possession of the promised land. But he was looking forward to the land that has no foundations, or its foundations are in the heavens, right? So we see that Abraham is always looking beyond this life to the next, because that's where true joy and hope is found, because that's where God is. And that's what we all want as Christians. This is what we live for. We don't live for the comforts of this life, though God has blessed us with several of them. That's not what we plant our flag in. If he takes them all away, that's fine. We still have him. And God would be more magnified in our suffering when we cry out to him than in our prosperity when we ignore him. Yeah. And we see through all the suffering, Abraham continues to praise God and continue in an obedient lifestyle. And is that, as we kind of wind down this biography of Abraham, 
Is that not one of the biggest takeaways of this extended biography that though there's this tension between the promise of God and what we see in this veil of tears that steadfast reliance upon the promise of God is what helps us persevere no matter the circumstances and ultimately those who persevere will inherit the promises of God. And that's a sure promise that is founded upon God himself because he has no other higher thing upon which to swear. That is our great assurance. That is the great beauty of the, the biography of Abraham. It's a real life struggle. It's the struggle that we feel day in and day out, living in this veil of tears, being not of this world, but in this world. This is the the plight of all human beings. And this is why Abraham is a perfect representative of as the father of the faithful. And we should look to this account to learn from it and to help it guide us in living in this veil of tears faithfully, not getting stuck with our eyes on the vertical, but always keeping the horizontal perspective that we might live faithfully on the vertical um, realm. That is really what we learn from this text and and others that have come before us. And I think it's a beautiful lesson for us to uh, learn as we walk through the book of Genesis. We're so thankful that you guys have tuned in week in and week out to walk through this book with us. We hope you're enjoying it. We hope you are getting great benefit from it. And we want to encourage you to share it with your friends, your family, with whoever might be interested in it. Because as you've made mention, Nick, there's great biblical illiteracy out there. And the Bible has for millennia now been a source of great comfort, great hope, and great assurance for people living in this broken and fallen world. And us as Christians, we ought not to hide our light under a basket, but we should proclaim it with full assurance of faith and knowing that the promises of God are sure and steadfast and rely upon that. So we're so thankful that you guys tuned in. Before we wrap up, Nick, again, can you tell our listeners how they can get a Mystery May package for the month of May 2021, and then we will wrap up from there. For sure. So if you were to be interested in winning our Mystery Giveaway for the month of May, Head over to our Instagram or Facebook account at The Great Exchange Podcast. Find our giveaway post, which will be coming out this coming Friday. Like that post and comment on it with the word Mysterion, and that'll get you a single entry into win. Each time you do that is one more name entries, and you can have like a 100 of them, and you might win. That's how people have done it in the past. There's been also the guy that did it once, and then he won. So... <laughs> You never know which way it might go. We're we're not, the lot is cast into the lap. It's every decision comes from the Lord. So be sure to enter your name in. You'll have a higher percentage chance of winning. And the deadline for that's going to be the end of the month. So be sure to do that before then. 
And as always, head to our website, thegreatexchange.ca. If you've missed any of our past episodes, you can go and find them all there. And as well, you can send us an email from our, well, either from our website or just from your own personal email. If you want to get in touch with us, let us know how you've been encouraged or if you have any questions or anything about the content that we put out on the podcast, it's thegreatexchangepodcast at gmail.com. And we'll be happy to get in touch with you and talk to you there. Absolutely, man. Well, thank you so much for listening, everybody. We really enjoy walking through scripture with you guys. We hope you found the episode edifying and be sure to jump over to our website, as Nick said, thegreatexchange.ca to check out the entire back catalog of episodes like this, uh, of all the episodes that have come before it in our walk through the book of Genesis and for other Bible study episodes in books like Galatians, Ephesians, Hebrews, Romans. We've gone through so many wonderful books, and you should definitely check out those podcasts at thegreatexchange.ca. Thank you so much for tuning in, but as we say at the end of every episode, Nick. It is finished. God bless. God bless.